So you have me today. I know. Get out the fanfare. It's a joy. I had a shower this morning. I did my teeth, amen. And I uh, forgot breakfast, but I found a penguin in my bag in the car. I was quite happy, so I had chocolate. So I got some energy. <laughs> I was like, literally, Lord, please, there is something in my bag. I started to feel my sugar levels go, and I just didn't have time for breakfast this morning. Anyway, so we're good. I've had chocolate, and I've had a cup of tea. Thank you, Michelle, making a beautiful cup of tea for me. <laughs> so this morning, I am going to very handily talk about hosting his presence. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you know that Meshach, when he came to minister to us in that incredible meeting we had a couple of weeks ago, he told us that God was taking us on a journey to host his presence, that it was something he was calling us to do as a church. Um, and we did that this morning. Okay, This whole meeting this morning, we hosted the presence of Jesus. And it started around about 9.30 when we met in engine room and we just began to press in. And there's something powerful that happens when we host the presence of God. And Meshach really encouraged us that God was taking us on this journey. Um, but he never actually mentioned what hosting the presence was, which I thought was quite... He left a little dangler. <laughs> so he talked about it, and now he had amazing words for many people. But he didn't actually say what it looked like to host the presence of God. So I thought that I would kind of put that together. And um, I wasn't due to speak today, but you know when God just speaks to you and then you just kind of, I literally got my pen and notebook out and I just wrote the whole message in about 10 minutes and it just flowed. So come on. So this is for you. I don't believe this is a, is a coincidence that I'm here saying this today with the, with the session we've just had with God there, the beautiful worship. So if you've got your notebooks or Bibles or iPads or whatever you write on, um, grab those out. Um, and we're going to crack into having a look at what hosting the presence is. That sound good? Okay, so I thought I'd start with um, thinking about just natural hosts. When you have, you know, when you go around people's houses, and we all can, we're not going to look at her, are we, in the room? But we know who the best host in this, in this room is right now um, for hosting people. But um, it's not me. <laughs> but when you go around to people's houses and you're made, made to feel welcome, you're invited and you're made to feel welcome, and they, they basically want you to spend time with you, don't you come away feeling really good? I always come away with more than when I started. If I go around someone's house, and they have thought about me coming, and we've got some good food, and we're going to have a good chat and a catch-up and a bit of a laugh and play games, whatever we're going to do, I will always come away from that just full and happy. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of what it means to host the presence of God. It's, it's this intimacy... And it's this kind of fun. You know, God's fun. God wants <laughs> us to really enjoy being with him and for us to come away with more after we've spent time with him. And in the natural, when we host people or we invite people around, you know, you put on a little bit of an effort, don't you? If you're going to invite someone around your house, you actually do prepare, in theory, if you're a really poor host, you won't do this. I'm actually being challenged on it this afternoon, so I better not eat my words. Um, anyway, but um, if you're a really good host, you would have thought about who's coming, thought about what they like to eat, made sure you've been shopping, and thought a little bit about what you might do, don't you? And that's what a really good host would do. They actually go out of their way for the people coming around their house. And then when they come in the house, wouldn't it be an awful host if they just ignored their guests for the whole time they were there and didn't spend any time talking to him or be with them? But a brilliant host will not only prepare in advance and get everything ready, the welcome mat will be out and that, those people coming around will feel just so loved and welcomed and will just be leaving with more than they came. 
And that's a picture, I think, of what hosting the presence looks like. And we have to, and Reshek really spoke to us, didn't he, about being expectant. And actually, the hosting of the presence of God, which I'm going to get into in a second, is actually more about what we do during the week as individuals and what happens on a Sunday. Um, it's about actually coming on a Sunday expectant and just ready because we've been spending time with Jesus all through the week. Nathan, who I absolutely adore, Callie obviously too, but he's my favorite boy, um, godson, and she's my favorite girl, God, child. Uh, so that I can, I can have equals. He makes me, he does it this brilliantly because he always often says to me, are we coming to your house today? Or are you coming to my house today? And I love that because he's learned a couple of things about going to Wendy's house. One is he'll be fed. One is he'll get to play with Jack's Lego. And often he'll get to walk home with Jack's Lego and keep it. And so when he says, can I come to your house? He knows what he's going to get. And he knows that we're going to play games and we're going to laugh and we're going to eat. And he's probably going to go away with something that he didn't come with. And so, that, <laughs> so that's why he says, can we come to your house? So <laughs> a good host, someone that's a good host, then in terms of just kind of thinking about hosting his presence, is someone who is really, really... Um, has a heart that just wants to welcome Jesus all the time and he's just so important to them. They're waiting and they're ready to receive him and they're looking for him and they have got themselves ready to receive him and they want to spend time with him and talk to him and they, want, you know, they, just, they just want to be with him. That's what a good host, and the natural way we do that with our friends is the same way to do it with Jesus. So we're going to go into Matthew 25. If you want to turn there or click on something to make yourself go there it's going to be on the screen as well so let's go to Matthew 25 and um, God just showed me a few things around this very famous scripture but just um, just illustrations I'm going to try and dive into that in a second so it is famous story about the ten virgins because at that time the kingdom of heaven was like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. And the wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all the ten virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there will not be enough for both of us. Instead, go and find those who sell oil and buy some yourself. But while they were gone, gone away to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the banquet, the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So, these ten, I've got props, thank you, Annie. Props, it's exciting, it's exciting, props, lanterns or lamps. Okay, so we had ten, there are ten virgins. Okay, let's have five on this side and five on this side, okay? Five foolish, five wise, the Bible describes them as. What's interesting about them, I hadn't really seen this until God showed me, is that the lamps are identical. The structure and what's in them is the same. But only one set of, of um, what they called, virgins, actually had any lamps, had any oil in their lamps. Let's see, I'll turn one on. I know it's not very bright in here, but that one is turned on. So even though their structure is the same, 
So you could argue that this is like them being Christians, if you like. One of, only one group of the five actually had any oil, which is representing the presence of God flowing inside of them, the Holy Spirit. And the other five, their, their lamps are burning. I know you can't see that because it's not really dark, but it's on, I promise you, it's on. Okay? So their oil was, their lamps were filled and their oil was burning. But they had exactly the same structure. If you look at them, they look identical. These ten virgins looked the same. We can call them, they were all Christians. But only one of the group was constantly spending time ensuring that they had plenty of oil in the presence of God. They were being filled continuously so it never ran out. It's a representation of the Holy Spirit just living inside of us and us daily spending time with Jesus. That's how your oil gets filled up, if you like. It's the presence of God. It's being in his word. It's praying. It's talking to him. And the Holy Spirit just keeps filling you and refreshing you. So there were five that just thought, well, you know, maybe I can go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm fine. And didn't take care of, the, of what was on in, inside of them. The structure looked the same. But there were... F- that's wrong way, wasn't it? That way. <laughs> but the other five were making sure that they were being refreshed and filled. And what's interesting is, if you look at this scripture, it was down to the virgins to fill the oil. It wasn't down to God. It's you need to go and make sure they made sure that they were being filled. It's down to us to whether that internal condition of ourselves is actually being filled. So these five, some five kept the oil filled with the presence of Jesus, and they were eagerly awaiting him. And again, there's lots of reference in the Bible to us being the bride and him being the bridegroom. And that's how how these ten virgins are described. It's like you're just eagerly waiting, you're looking for him, and just wanting to be with him, longing to be with him. And so five of them were like that and five weren't. And when it came to the point where he returned, they weren't ready. And there's a number of scriptures, isn't there, in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, where Jesus says, you know, you call me Lord, but I don't know who you are. And so the foolish virgins were thinking they've got all the time in the world and I can just go and do what I want and it doesn't matter. And there were five wise virgins who were consistently keeping their oil filled, consistently in the presence of God and looking for the bridegroom, just desperate to see him, expectant and hungry. And those are the ones that Jesus came back for. They got to go to the wedding banquet. So, we, so the point of the lanterns really is to say, actually, we can be on the outside. We can all look the same. And we can receive Jesus. And we, but what's, what about the journey we go on after we say yes to him? That's the difference. Five of them, their journey was pursuit. It was hunger. It was, it was pressing into God and allowing the Holy Spirit to keep filling them. Five of them were just like, well, I'm just going to crack on, getting a bit distracted. They were busy doing other things. They weren't paying attention to what was going on internally. And when he came back, it's too late. And I had this little thought. It's a little bit like our phones. So we can get a little bit obsessed with the battery level on our phones. And if our battery level's getting low, we're like, where's that charger? My goodness, I need to plug it in. We panic, don't we? Panic. Um, on, (laughs) On Friday... Uh, Elisa texted us to say that she hadn't got to college because her bus was on fire. That's quite comedy. Uh, bus has caught fire. I'm sat on the motorway. And so she spent ages on the motorway waiting for a new bus. And so she spent a lot of time on her phone. And her phone got quite low in battery, didn't, didn't it, Jade, by the time of the evening. She went to Jade's afterwards to get ready for going to, over to Portsmouth. And she rang me and said, have you let, has Dad left yet? I said, yeah. Oh, I need my charger. My battery's about to go flat. That's the only thing she was worried about. Get my charger. Um, and we do. We spend more time obsessing with whether our phone is charged or whether we are spiritually charged. 
What about our internal power? How filled up are we? (laughs) Because we can get really obsessed with that thing. But actually, how filled are we? So it's our responsibility to make sure that the oil is being filled, that the lamp is ready. So I'm going to go to John 3, 26 next. I love this. This is when um, John the Baptist is uh, making a way for Jesus. And it says that John and his disciples came together. And his, jo- his disciples came to him and said to him, Rabbi, the man who you were with on the other side of the Georgian, the one you are testified about, so this is Jesus, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy. When he hears the bridegroom's voice, the joy is mine. That joy is mine, said John, and it's now complete. He must become greater and I must become left. What I love in this scripture is John basically has learned to be in the presence of Jesus and to look for the bridegroom. And it says here that he knew his voice. And because John was experiencing the presence of God, because he was regularly with him, he was hearing his voice, he was looking out for him, he was close to him. It says that John said that he had found joy and that he was now complete. And that was all he needed. He had found joy and he was now complete. In other words, everything that he needed to be fulfilled was because he was, he was seeking the bridegroom and he was listening out for his voice and he was spending time with him and it filled him with joy and he had nothing else he needed. And what's interesting is the response that, that John makes is that he then says, I must become less and Jesus must become more. See, when you get into the presence of God a lot, you decrease and he increases. It's the natural response of what happens But to find fullness and to find joy and be complete, we as the bride need to find the bridegroom. And we need to be like those virgins, looking out for him and just having that oil replenished and being filled. If you think about the early church, um, when they met in the upper room, that's a beautiful picture of, of hosting the presence of God. The early church, when they met in the upper room, and they were together with one heart, pursuing Jesus and praying and worshiping, and waiting for him, hoping to, him, to see him. And as they got together in that room, what did the Holy Spirit do? It just came and filled the room, just like heaven's kiss this morning. It's because you, when, you're in one, when you're with one heart and one voice, and you're together, and you are looking for him, and you are worshipping him, then he moves. And the power of God fell on, that, on those people at Pentecost, didn't they? In that upper room, because they had one pursuit, and that was Jesus. That was all that they were there for, and they were worshipping and they were pressing in. And it's a hunger and an honour and a, and a glorifying of Jesus that makes him move. That's what draws him in. It's interesting, if you look at some of the, the New Testament scripture, there's a number of times where Jesus actually made it really clear that if he's not welcome, he won't move. And there's one where he tells the disciples, if you walk into a town and they don't receive you, walk out. Just take your absolutely dust off your feet. Don't go in, just don't. Only if you're received in the house and they welcome you, go in. So there is obviously a principle that if, if you're not welcoming God, that he will move on. And that isn't his heart, but there's a principle there. We know in this story when he goes to his hometown, which is called, I've forgotten it, gives the sea. Not sea. When he goes to that town where they won't, but no, Capernaum, that's it, not, not Nazareth. Um, and they're really kind of, criticizing, oh, he's a carpenter's son, you're nothing. And it says he couldn't do any miracles there. 
it does matter how we respond. Jesus does want to be welcomed. He wants, to be ex- he wants people to want him. And it breaks its heart, his heart when we don't. But it does, it does make a difference to what the Holy Spirit will do, how we respond. And so in that upper room, as they pressed in in their, in their hunger, the Holy Spirit fell. And as we know, they came out of that room and there was an instant res- um, um, impact on the community. 3,000 people saved, miracles took place, the church was born. So it's not just about what happens in, as we meet in, on a Sunday, it's actually what's going to change on the outside of this building because we're doing this in here. And because we're pursuing him during the week, we're making sure that our oil, <laughs> our lamps are filled up. Okay, we're not kind of just plodding away from week to week, just, you know, turn up to church and don't think about God again. You know, I've been and done that years ago. But it's actually, it's the ones that are pursuing God during the week. When we come together, it'll be like the upper room. It'll be the upper room experience and then it'll go out. Because it, you, can't, you can't have a fall of the Holy Spirit that doesn't impact people outside it can't just change us and not change people around us something has to shift inside of us so that when we go out to work when we're walking out of this building that we carry something that ministers and people will just look at us like they did like the, the apostles didn't they and they'll literally just say i can see jesus in you there's something different about you what is it and you can say jesus is in me let me tell you about him that that will be the outcome that's where that's where our journey is going and that's what meshach was really hinting at wasn't he that if we will learn to host the presence in our own lives and in our meetings then god's going to bring people to us but he needs to trust us because if we're just playing i'll just which one i can't even see which one's on is that on and that's on as well i put them both on Okay, that was a mistake. Let's turn this one off. <laughs> okay, this one's off. These are the, fo- these are the foolish ones over here. But, <laughs> but if we just, you know, go through the motions and we want to look, we look okay on the outside and, you know, we're doing all right, but there's nothing burning inside of us, it won't spill out. And I really want us to be people that are burning. And it is, we're a family. And, you know, I think what I loved about what Meshach said is he was calling us. He really picked on, didn't he, in particular, young people and older people. He made a real distinction there that God was going to do something in young and he wanted to still use the older. I think that was a really powerful thing that he mentioned. This is not about just certain people that God wants to use. This is about us all as a family. And it's about unity. And we just need to see ourselves that it's not just all they can do it. Okay, God will use anybody. Okay, so we're going to go to one of my favorite stories. We're going to go to look at two sisters who hosted Jesus in their house. The Mary and Martha story. So we're going to go to Luke 10. I just want to pick out a couple of things from this story as well. So Mary and Martha hosted Jesus in their home. And what's interesting about these, these sisters is that they both hosted Jesus at the same time but didn't respond to him the same way. Their, their way of hosting him was very different, even though he'd entered their home and they were together at the same time with Jesus. They didn't um, respond in the same way. So in Luke 10, 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had been made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, only indeed one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. 
So both these sisters hosted Jesus in their home. Martha's response was to host him by being busy and then getting cross with him that he wasn't giving her enough you know, attention for doing that or, or getting his sister, her sister to help. But Mary's response was simply just to worship him and sit at his feet. And that wasn't because Mary didn't care about what was going on in the house and that what needed to be done. She just made a decision that was very wise and not foolish. I'd liken Martha was probably, I'm sure, had a very good heart. And, you know, we need to be servants. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if you've got to get, take the Bible in context, and there's so much in here about serving God, and we need to do that, and we need to honor him and serve him. He was the greatest service of all, servant of all. But it's actually about knowing when to serve and when to kneel. And that's what Mary did differently. She knew when to kneel. And Martha just thought she needed to be busy. Um, and in this, in this context, Mary chose something very different. And it was what Mary did that Jesus commended. What he said to Martha was, you are busy and anxious. And I often find, and you may know this as well, that I've often seen in people that when people are very anxious and worried, if you were to ask a knit-down question about what their week looks like and how much time they spent with God, you'll find they haven't spent much time at all in his presence. The two can't actually go together. You can still have to carry stuff. It doesn't mean that God takes all the problems away. But if you've seen it in people, when they walk around and you just think, I don't understand why you are so calm <laughs> in this situation when I know what's going on in your world. And it's because the presence of God enables you to walk through stuff with peace and a joy that doesn't make sense. What Martha did was I think Jesus was reflecting how her normal stance is. She's busy, she's distracted, she's a worrier. And Jesus wanted to point out, actually, you're choosing the wrong thing. If you would just sit with me, this would go away. And if we um, spend time doing that, and that's what our week looks like, we will not do well in life at all. We're not desired to worry. And how lovely that we sang that song this morning, Why Do I Worry? But the key is presence. The key is presence. What Mary chose to do was to worship and to listen and adore him, and she was at peace. And Jesus said to them, there's only one thing you need, and Mary's done it. There's only one thing you need is me, to sit and be in the presence of God, and you don't, then you won't be anxious about anything. And I, I just love what she did there. I just think that's just so beautiful. And I'm just going to read you my little... I've got a little, little note in my Bible about this story, which I just thought was so beautiful. It says, in Luke 10, 41, Jesus implied more than we sometimes realize when he spoke, Martha, Martha. Martha was too busy for relationships, and she chose work and worry over intimacy. As a result, she misused her time and missed what was vital to her. Mary operated in wisdom. She was a wise uh, virgin, if you like. She took advantage of the moment. She could spend the rest of her life cleaning, but Jesus was there and she wanted him to feel welcome. He came to see her and Martha, not their clean house. This does not mean that a clean house is not important. Amen. <laughs> Paul. But there is a time. It's very good at hoovering. But there is, not, there is a time for everything. And this was not the time for tidying or sweeping. Let us use wisdom and not miss God's presence when it's available. How beautiful is that? So it's not about we don't have to do things and we don't need to be busy doing stuff. That's life. But it's choosing the presence of God and knowing when it's the thing. And the way this works is really simply the Holy Spirit will just tug on you and say, you need to come away. 
you need to sit, you need to listen, you need to get your Bible. It's that stuff, and it's when we go, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And then we think we're serving God or pleasing God because we're busy. He's not. No. <laughs> he would rather. So this is brilliant, ladies, because you can just say to your husband, the house isn't clean because I've been with Jesus. And that's fine. Okay? I've chosen the better thing. Okay? You haven't got dinner tonight, love, because I've been with Jesus, and I've chosen the one thing that Jesus wants me to do. So that's what I'm going to do. And actually, that's okay. I'm giving you permission if the Holy Spirit, but I actually, I'm not being funny, I've actually had to learn how to live with a messier house, and it's okay, because I literally don't have time for everything, but if I don't prioritize time with Jesus, and if I don't get on my knees with him like Mary did, and just worship him, and listen to him, I am going to have chaos in my life, and I'm going to have worry and anxiety, and I know that's what's going to be my portion if I choose not to get into the presence of God. I just want to finish. A couple of minutes left. Are we okay with that? Um, in John 11, you get to see interaction between Mary and Jesus again, and Martha, actually. When Lazarus dies, their brother, and Jesus goes to see them because, obviously, he's dead and he's all in the tomb and there seems to be no hope. And I love the interaction between Jesus and Mary again here because I think that there's a real... Um, that we can actually, as individuals, move Jesus and be... Um, able to move him and, and cause him to do miracles because of our heart condition. I'm just going to prove that to you. So in John 11, in verse 28, Jesus comes to the village again because Lazarus has died, and Martha runs out and she's straight into like, "Why weren't you here? If you were here, it'd been fine." She's, I'm sure it wasn't that tone, but that's how it, that's how I read it. She's like, "Come on, Jesus, it's your fault. If you'd been here, it'd be fine." It's like Mary is no. She's in the house again. She's not out anxiously looking. She's in the house. Martha comes out and is just like, "You know, what are you doing? Why weren't you here?" Um, and what <laughs> what Jesus does very quickly, he speaks into that and says, "You know, basically, don't worry." But he instantly says to Martha, "Where's your sister? I'm looking. Where is she?" And and Martha goes back into the house and says, and I love this line, the teacher, Jesus, is here and he's asking for you. He was seeking Mary out because she was the one that would kneel and give him affection. And I I honestly saw it in my head that Jesus just kind of went in and he wanted to be with her. He wanted Mary. I need to be with her because she loves me. And I just just thought, Jesus, I want you to be looking for me and saying, where's Wendy? Because I want to be with her. And I want to talk to her today. And I just, I just felt Jesus' heart for her, that she, she, he had, she adored him so much that he absolutely longed to find her. And he came, comes and he's looking for Mary. And then he goes, and when she hears Martha say that, she literally jumps up and says she goes straight out of the house and she goes to find him. And I think the interaction with these two is beautiful. She moves Jesus' heart and he moves hers. That's how they interact with each other. There's such an intimacy between them. That's how he responds. And it goes on to say in, the, in this, this story that she begins to cry over her brother, which causes Jesus to weep because he's so moved. And then he does the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. And I wonder if her intimacy with Jesus not only made him look for her, that he actually longed to be with her, but I wonder if the miracle of, us, her, of the brother being healed was partly because he was weeping for Mary because she moved him and he had to do something for her. I wonder if we could be that close to Jesus that he's actually looking for us to spend time with us and then he's doing miracles and meeting what we need because we're moving him.
That's what I believe Mary did. She learned to host his presence in such a way where she was, whenever he was near, she knelt. And I love, I'll just finish on this, I love Mary's, um, the way she, she moves Jesus because her heart, or her, sorry, her outward response to him was to kneel. And that is an honor thing. That's something about me getting lower and recognizing how, who you are, Jesus, and you are the king. And it's about worship. And, it's a, and she would cry and she would, she would um, clean his feet when she was with her tears and her hair. It was, there was such an intimacy with her because she understood who he was to her, the cross, what he was going to do, and the, the suffering he was going to face. And she just adored him for who he was. And that's, that's the sort of people that will pull Jesus' heart to move. She really welcomed him big time, didn't she? And he went looking for her after that. I want to find Mary. Where is she? Because she's so beautiful to me and what she does. And I really believe God's calling us to that place. I'm, I know many of you are there. But it's like, I want Jesus to be like, where's Wendy? I'm looking for her. I want to be with her because I know she's going to kiss my feet. I know she's going to worship me. And we're going to have this just intimate time. So let me just finish on this. And I'm going to ask Dan to share something that he shared um, at worship night last week. He had a picture for us as a church or word for us as a church. I'm going to ask Dan to come up in a second. Thank you, Dan. So just let me just finish on this. What does it mean to host his presence? The key thing is desire. But Jesus has to be the thing that we desire the most, to worship him, to lean in, to see ourselves as a bride looking for the bridegroom. It's adoration. It's making him our first love. It's having a heart that's constantly welcoming him and inviting him in. It's intimacy. It's getting low so that he can be greater in our lives. It's also about preparing for Sunday, coming expectant, praying into Sunday, and coming ready. It's our responsibility then to have this, to be the one that has this lamp filled. I don't want to be the foolish version that Jesus says, I didn't know you. You went to church for years and you sang some songs, but I didn't know you because you just went from Sunday to Sunday thinking that would be okay and you served hard and you did everything and you worked hard in, in church and loved that but I didn't know you because actually it's not about what you do for me it's about your heart and our relationship and I want to be a wise virgin who's keeping my oil and it's down to me the oil is the presence of Jesus it's the Holy Spirit and only we can press in in our own time to that and as we do that corporately I believe God's going to move massively amongst us and in our community and we're going to see things we've never seen before so dan do you want to come up and just share what you had to finish off with and we're going over time i will pray for everybody in the thing thank you dan i'll, I'll try and wrap this uh, into what wendy's saying because there's i think there's a lot of connections here as well uh so just last last week at, at, wor- at, at our worship evening i had this uh, this image and it's uh, based um based on the sort of the, the story of peter walking on water uh, and um, what I like, what I like to do when I, I'm kind of thinking of, of these, or sort of reading reading the scriptures, is trying to put that into context of either today or or a what if moment. And there's a great what if moment uh, when when. Um, just to give you the little bit of background, the disciples are in the boat, they're going across, and they see Jesus uh, walking on water, and, and Peter calls out, if it's, if, if it's really you, just, just call and I'll come and I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. And uh, Peter sort of gets out, and, and, and when he looks around at all the waves, he, he begins to, to drown, and, and Jesus calls him out on that and says, oh, you're sort of 
where, where was your faith? Uh, and what, what came to me as we were, we were worshipping was uh, the, 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 the twist in that story. He says, where is your faith? Okay, what if Peter had that faith uh, in that, that time? What if Peter had that faith and he, he was stepping out and he stood on that, that water? And what if he just focused on Jesus? What if at that point when he was focused on Jesus, he turned around and he called his disciple, the other disciples, says, get out of the boat as well. Just keep looking at Jesus. Uh, and uh, it was playing out in my mind, this. And then all of a sudden, I had this image of us as a church. And we are running across the water. And as we're running across the water, each one of us are turning to the other one and saying, saying, Stacy, just keep focusing on Jesus. Just keep focusing on Jesus. Chris, just keep focusing on Jesus. Michelle, just keep focusing on Jesus. And we're all, all encouraging each other. We're all saying, just focus on Jesus. And we as a church are running over the water miraculously towards Jesus. Uh, and, and just as Wendy was saying there, kind of keeping our, our oil oil burning how is it that when we 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 step out when we step out of that boat that first step isn't that like our sunday we'll leave here we're sort of full of faith and then the monday comes along and then we see the waves behind around us and we take our focus off of jesus onto the waves of anything which comes up and then we start sinking but how about as a church, we turn around to each other and say, just focus on Jesus. Tuesday, just keep focusing on Jesus. Wednesday, just keep focusing on Jesus. And we are all running and we're calling others around us. And I think that's, that, that's going to be the beautiful scene as we're calling others who aren't here with us yet. They're empty seats. They've, those seats have got names on. And we're calling those, just focus on Jesus. And we end up running across that water. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, it, we are a family, and I don't want anybody to be left behind, um, but you can't be forced. Your relationship between you and God is you and God, and the deeper you go is down to you. So it's an encouragement this morning. I hope you have just absolutely loved being in the presence of God, and you're hungry for more. <laughs> I'm going to stand to our feet, and I'm just going to pray for you quickly, because I know time's gone. Jesus. Father, I thank you for the touch of heaven over this place this morning. I thank you for the touch of heaven over this place. You have been so good to us this morning. Lord Jesus, you spoke to us in engine room so beautifully in every song and everything that has been sung and everything that's been spoken this morning, Jesus, is heaven's touch. I thank you, Father God, that you are for us as a church. You are encouraging us deeper to come up higher, Lord, and you are asking us to come across this water to see just something more beautiful than we've ever seen before. Lord, I thank you for what you're calling us to. You're calling us higher. You're calling us into more intimacy. You're calling us into seeing more miracles, to see more revelation of you, to see more people saved. Everything that you have for us, Jesus, we want it all. And yet I know, Lord God, that you are calling us, first love, into intimacy with Jesus. So we just say yes, Lord Jesus, to you. Lord, I just, we just say sorry for when we haven't had our oils filled up and we've been distracted and busy. We've allowed worry and even maybe serving you as being the excuse or the thing that we think that you're going to be pleased with when all you ever wanted was our heart and all you ever wanted was our time and our worship and our ear so that we're listening to you, Jesus. So forgive us for that. 
And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll fill everybody in this room and there'll be such a burning desire for you that we've never known before. Lord, that when we wake up in the morning, Jesus, you're on our mind. We just long to get away with you. We just long to be in worship with you. Lord, we come back from work and we just want to get on our knees. Lord, there's not, we're just so lost, Jesus, in who you are and just focused on who you are. Lord, and I pray that you would just do miracles in our lives and miracles through our lives. In Jesus' name, there will be an outpouring of your spirit as we get low, Jesus, that you will move across this community. You will move across our neighborhood. You will move across our families. We'll see salvation and miracles break out amongst the people that we love, Jesus, because of who we are. Let the all inside of us just be overflowing and let it flow out to people around us in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you kissed us this morning. Lord, I ask for a kiss tomorrow morning and the next morning. Lord, let it not stop because the oil the river never runs out. We just ask for more in Jesus' name. Amen.